Buddy? So while I settle my nerves and run and uh, get the sound sorted out, I was just wondering about something about this Mother's Day thing. So Esna recently had an operation to her knees and I had to be the guy that did the taxi. I had to do the washing, hang it up, iron it, to make sure there's food, I had to clean the house. Do I qualify for chocolates then? I'm sure. Hey? Carry her for nine months, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm trying hard for chocolates and it's just not working. Okay. Okay, guys. Let's start. Are you guys ready? Can we start with the scripture, please? Acts chapter 2. So, Roland asked me to focus on this piece of this scripture so this morning, so let's focus on this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47 says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had need. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So if you have a look at, the, at the, just the books of the Bible, specifically the New Testament books, and I'm looking at the books that was written by Paul, the difference with Acts and the difference with the rest of the books is with exit is looking through the window to see what these guys were doing in the Old Testament. That was their doings. That's the acts. That which they, how did they do church? The rest is, hey, I've got a problem. What must I do to fix it? So if I've got a wall and I need to paint the wall, I go to the painter and says, I've got a wall similar to this. How do, show me, tell me, how did you paint the wall? He'll give me one set of answers. If I go to the same wall and say, I've got this wall that needs to be painted, tell me what I need to do. He'll then tell me, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the following. Same answers, but different. You need to do it versus this is what we did. So this morning I want to focus on what they did, the early church, because we need to come back to the point of understanding what the early church did. If you look at just in Barcelona at the moment, there's a church or a cathedral that's being built. And with most cathedrals, they were built over hundreds of years, not over just 10 years or 5 years. It was a long time. So the original architect didn't see the end product. The original builders didn't see the end product. Neither did the people who laid the foundation. But I cannot build today as I want to build just because we've got better technology than what they did. 
because we want the, the thing to look the same as what it was. We cannot put diff use different material of different weights because the weights and strains is calculated and therefore the foundation is laid accordingly. And so when we lay the foundation of the church, we need to go back and say, what was the old foundation look like? What was laid initially so that we build upon it and we cannot build our own way? hope that makes sense. And that's why we're looking through the window this morning to say, what did those guys do so that we can do accordingly? So what the background to Acts chapter 2 was, Jesus died on the cross, he rose up, and he said to the disciples, hey, by the way, go wait, for, wait in Jerusalem. And a couple of days later, about 40 to, 40 to 50 days later, there's differences of opinion there, but it's What's that, 40 days? I think it's sort of the number that's in my head. The Holy Spirit is poured out. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Holy Spirit's poured out. And for those that think when we come together, it needs to be a quiet, don't speak too loud church. It was so noisy when the Holy Spirit was poured out that the whole of the city ran together and said, hey, what's happening there? It wasn't just doing something in a corner, quiet church, and we don't disturb the neighbors. They disturbed the city. And Peter, an apostle, jumps up and he gets up and he says, and he starts preaching. And 120 people were praying together and suddenly 3,000 people were added to the church. So we've got an explosive growth to the church of 3,000 people that were added after one sermon. I'd love to preach like that. When people get saved. Why? Because the Bible says they were cut to the heart. Change happened when the Word of God was preached. When the apostles preached the Word of God, change happened. People realized, hey, we did wrong. I did something wrong. I need to do something to rectify that which I did wrong. And I just want to pause there quickly. Judas did the same thing. He betrayed Jesus and then said, I did something wrong. Here's the money. Take it back. I don't want it. But his repentance was just realizing he did something wrong. He never turned back to Jesus. You see, we can re realize, oops, I made a mistake. And if I don't plan to do the same thing, I'm just going to stay at, oops, I made a mistake. Oops, I did it again. I think there's a song. I feel it coming on. Oops, I did it again. We keep on doing the same mistake. But we have to turn to Jesus. Judas turned into himself and he committed suicide. I have to turn into Jesus for salvation, for life. Okay. Right. A couple of points that I want to turn and I want us to focus on verse... 42. I'm going to take about six points out of verse 42, depending on time. So let's see where we go. So what was the early church? Verse 42 says they continued. So when I continue on doing something, I'm not deviating. In other words, I'm setting myself on a journey, and I'm going to stay on this journey until. Until what? Until I reach it. So when I leave Joburg, the best route from Joburg, the best route from Joburg is the one to Cape Town. Just saying it, putting it out there. 
But if I leave with a truck, I was speaking to somebody yesterday just about how trucks are being attacked. So people leave from Joburg four o'clock in the morning to be here on time because they, don't, they can't afford to stop the truck. The moment the truck stops, they're being robbed. I'm telling you this much. If your spiritual truck stops on the journey, Satan is going to rob you. You need to stay focused to keep the journey. Stay the distance. If you start driving, you realize, hey, you know what? I actually need a liquor cup of coffee. There's a little town just five k's off the road. Let's go there. So the truck deviates and he goes in there. And he has his cup of coffee. He meets his mate. His mate says, hey, you know what? Where are you going? I'm going to Captain Abbott's long drive. You need a bit of sunshine. I can see you like, you know, you're like bleak. You need to come in the sun. Let's, we're going to Durban. Man, just, it's just a day. It's not going to derail you. It's just a day. And in Durban, you come and it's in the sunshine. I will stay another day. Hey, guys, there's this package tour that's on a special. Next thing you find yourself at Victoria Falls, having a look there. I'm telling you, I want to uh, uh, say this much. You're not on a journey anymore. You're on a holiday tour. God hasn't called you to holiday tour. God's called me to stay focused, continue in that which God's called you. Some of us go through tough tri times, trials. Just a little testimony of where I am at two and a half years ago, roughly. Esna and myself gave a testimony about we applied for a bond for a house. And our bond was, we applied for 100% bond plus more, which banks don't do. They granted us the loan. We bought the house. I have to pay it back. Spoke to a lady that does bond origination, says to me, there is no ways, when we asked them, when, we, that we, when I told her what we're applying for, she says to me, banks don't do that today. We applied for the bond, she said to us, they made a mistake. I tell you, they made a mistake. They just don't do it. We got the house. October, through circumstances, I'm unemployed. I don't have money to pay my house. My kids step in. They helped us, but I can't expect them to help me forever. Monday, we had to put this house on the market to sell it. It is the toughest thing that I've done thus far. I know that if this house sells today, I don't know where we're going to stay because I don't have a salary. But I cannot let this derail me. I cannot let this be my focus point to say, I'm stopping focusing on Jesus. Please, I'm not saying this to I don't need the sympathy. I need you to see the point that we are focusing on Jesus. The, in Acts chapter 8, the last verse, Paul says that neither height nor depth, nothing, nothing, nothing can take me out of the hand of Jesus. Nothing can rob this thing that God has given me, which is this work that God has done in my heart. But there's one thing that can change it. I can look at my circumstances and say, Lord, if this is a God that I serve and He can't allow me to keep my house, then I'm not interested in serving Him. So I can turn away. But my decision is, me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We need to step past these things. I'm telling you, just as a sideline, watch this space. There's a testimony about to happen. Okay. And in everybody's house, 
household, there's a circumstance where there's a testimony about to happen. Don't give up. Push through. Continue steadfastly. That's point two. Steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in that which they were... I'm looking for words here. They were steadfast. One moved. Ephesians chapter 4. And he, that's Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles. Look at the word, apostles. First in line, important. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why did he give those, those things? Those were gifts. When was the first apostle that we read about active in the Bible? The first one was Jesus, the main apostle. He then set up other apostles. As the Holy Spirit was poured out, the first gift started happening. The first guy to step up to the plate to preach was an apostle. Why did he give those? So he gave gifts. Why? What's the reason for the gifts? Let's see. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. That's the purpose of the gifts that is given, given to us. Verse 13. For how long will we have them? Until, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why God's given us those gifts. That's the duration. And the impact on my life is verse 14. Why? That we should be no longer be children. And here's the word for steadfast. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. I just want to pause there for one second. Guys, there are not one, not two, but there are multitudes of different teachings on finance. Come to Jesus, you'll get rich. Oh, you've got marriage and problems, uh, uh, marriage, marital problems. Come to Jesus, you'll, you'll sort it out. That's not what the Bible teaches me. There's this new thing that, well, it's been around for some time, where we start adding to the Gospels. We need to start doing the old Jewish traditions on top of. That's not what my Bible teaches me. And people tend to think they're very religious and very holy, and they start speaking not about Jesus, but about Jeshua and all kinds of stuff. Sounds like the sneeze. Jeshua? It's adding to the gospel. There's nothing in that in the, book of God, in the book of God. The Bible, the Word of God. This Bible is the truth. The moment we add to it, the moment we detract from it, we have a problem. I want to ask you this morning, who is the king of your life? And before you say it's God, before you say it's God, if my Afrikaans culture dictates that I have to preach in Afrikaans, to Afrikaans-speaking people, I would have missed the opportunity to speak to you guys this morning in your language, which is English. If my culture becomes higher than that which God has called me to, if my sexuality, whether I'm a man or a woman, becomes higher than what God's called you and you to do, whether, oh no, I'm shy, I'm not that type of person, whether the type of person that you think you are becomes between you and God, I'm telling you, you've got a God in your life that you need to serve and it's, uh, to, to deal with, and it's not. 
the God that, God that you think is in life because you've been lied to. I'm not making sense here. I cannot let my culture between, come between me and God or my way of being or my whatever it is. God's called me and He said, the kingdom of heaven, there is a new culture, it's called the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus came to preach. Not my culture. Is it making sense? Please, I'm not proving down. I'm not saying your culture is irrelevant. Thy word. That word. Not saying that. But I say put it in its right place. Okay, put everything under God. There's a new, there's a teaching that was on the radio the other day. Theologian and a Muslim imam was in the, in the studio in a debate. And they were trying to convince us that our God and the Muslim God is one and the same God. And the theologian was saying that it's high time that the Christians start understanding that our Christianity is not exclusive. It's inclusive. This is a guy that calls himself a theologian. I want to tell you this much. My Bible says, and I want you to get, when you're confronted with this, use this and say, if you say your God and my God is the same, then answer me. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And they cannot answer that. Because the moment they have to acknowledge that, then they have to include Jesus Christ and start serving Him, which means they've got a problem with their gods that they are worshipping. And they've got a further problem. It says no man can come to the Father other than through Jesus Christ. So then I ask you one question. Is their God and my God the same God? My answer is no. I cannot see that it's the same God. I know what we're saying here is controversial and might go public, and if it goes public, then fine. But people need to know the truth. There is one God, and He dictates. There's one ref in the rugby field, and there's 200,000 people with opinions, but one ref blows a whistle. When I stand before God one day, He's got the whistle. My opinion and everything else counts zip, zero, niddly, squat, nooks. But we tend to think that when we stand before God, we're going to be able to argue with God. Every time that I read the Bible where Jesus showed up, people say they fell like one dead. John, that sat with his head on Jesus' chest, the Bible says when he saw Jesus in Revelation, I fell as one dead. There's no arguing when I stand before God. Actually, the very strength that I have to then stand, stand before God, even God has to give me the strength to stand before Him. I hope I'm making sense here this morning. They continued steadfastly, point three in the Apostles' Doctrine. In the Apostles' Doctrine. It's good to have my view of the Word of God. But if I start building my view of God's Word, and my view starts superseding everybody else's view, 
then I'm building the cathedral that I spoke about off plan. Guess what's going to happen? Something's going to crack and tumble. I can only build on the doctrine that has been taught by the apostles. So when I start interpreting as an elder the Word of God, and I go and say, hang on, Andrew, who is one of the apostles that we recognize, is saying we go left, and I'm starting to see we go right, then I've got a problem. Either I need to go to Andrew and help understand, or I need to go and find another, another church. But I cannot start preaching in this church anything that's contrary to the Word of God and the doctrine of the apostles, because that's my view. Remember one thing. When the Holy Spirit fell, and this verse is looking into and say, this is what the guys did. This was 40 or 50 days after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first New Testament book that started being, can I call it, printed in our language, became available, was between 40, it was only about 40 years after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So in that period, when the church grew, they were grounded on the teachings of the apostles, which was grounded in what Jesus did. And if we want to go back and say, what did you guys do so that we can also preach and three, see 3,000 plus people added to the church? We need to go back to what they did before they had all fancy books that we can start arguing about our different views, point of views. And I want to say one thing. Remember the, uh, when Satan was kicked out? Why was he kicked out? Because he had an opinion and he took a third of the angels that lived in heaven with him. Jesus says in the last days, people will say stuff and some of the very elect will fall. Make sure it's not you. Make sure it's not you. Don't be caught up with fancy teachings because it sounds, guy, uh, sounds right. Let me tell you one, one thing. Logic flies against the face of faith. I can logically work it out and logically it makes sense. Faith says go march around the Jericho seven times and on the last day make a huge shout and the walls that's probably as high as that roof will come tumbling down. And logic says you are right. Faith says let's do it. Okay. So let's operate in faith. Let's start doing what the Holy Spirit gives us to do. Let's start putting the, this logical, my way of thinking, and this is my interpretation. Man, put it aside. Submit to what the apostles teaching. Submit to the teaching of the elders. And let's start taking the nation. We've got a nation. We've got the whole of this people. We've got a world to go into. The Word of God says, go and preach the Word of God. Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. If some of us are still sitting here in 10 years' time, we, something's wrong. Uh, sorry, if all of us are sitting here in 10 years' time, something's wrong. We should be moving out, having a heart to get people saved. Why? Because that's in our DNA. That's the very thing that God's called us to. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, says that God appointed the apostles. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 15 says there are false apostles. Be careful who you listen to and who you follow. Hebrews 3 verse 11 says that Jesus is the main apostle. 
2 Peter, uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 6 and second at uh, Ephesians 2.20 says that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The very cornerstone that was rejected by man. Just for those that don't know, in the history of the, or the time period there, uh, when Jesus was on earth, when he used the example of the cornerstone, the cornerstone was a stone that was chopped and fashioned and made of a specific size. That was the first stone to be put down on the foundation. Every other stone was fashioned according to that dimensions, shape and size. You and I are being shaped and fashioned into the di dimension of the cornerstone that's Jesus Christ. And guess what? It doesn't feel like when Jesus starts chiseling on my ass. It might not be Jesus. It might be Satan having a go at me as well. When I started dealing with this thing of my house, I went to uh, Roland. Say, Roland, you're an elder. Rowan, you're an elder. Talk to me. This is where I am. What should I do? Roland came back. said, Andre, I think put your house in the market. Roland, Rowan said, Andre, give me a couple of days. I want to pray about it. He came back to me and says, Andre, this is the verse of Scripture that I feel. God says, we need to put the house in the market. His verse of scripture was exactly the same verse that God spoke to Esna and myself about. It doesn't feel lacquer, but it's for my good. It's for our good. Guess what? We're going to come out of this strong, shaped. No trial that you go through will be higher and bigger than what you can carry. You're going to come out of it shaped, but you're going to come out of it stretched and built. Okay, God's going to take you further, make you bigger. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10. says that Paul, according to grace which was given me to as a wise master builder. In other words, he's not a rookie. I have laid the foundation and another builds on that. Now that foundation he points to is the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's not a his way of thinking is the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let each one take heed how he builds on that. For no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so there he qualifies it. The next verse. Next verse. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear on the day which is that day, capital D, when we stand before Jesus, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Can I ask you a question? Are you prepared to just build like you think, how you feel best? And then my interpretation, my belief, I can see it this way. You know, if we're all allowed to do what we want to, what is this house that God wanted us to build going to look like? And then when God comes and tested with fire, what are you going to look at it? Heap of ashes. Or is it going to prove that this stood the test of fire? I don't care whether you are six years old, 60 years old, whether you've spent your time studying or you haven't studied. I don't care how brilliant you are, how beautiful you are. I don't care what your color is. I don't care, care what you, whether you're a mother or father or brother or sister, whatever it is. 
we need to start aligning ourselves to doing things God's way because that is what the original church did. While we're preaching this, I want to see this nation saved. Point four speaks of fellowship. Amos 3 verse 3 says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? What is this fellowship about? It's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with one another. I was, in my humble opinion, quite a perfect oak when Isna married me. Handsome, strong, beautiful looking, and young. Never got upset. And I actually thought that the woman that marries me is going to be lucky because I'm an even-natured guy. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm going to be a wonderful father. And I'm just going to be cool. And then I got married. The Bible says in um, Proverbs uh, 27 verse 17, it says that as iron sharpens iron, it doesn't say wood sharpens iron. If it wasn't for this iron sitting here in front of me, this beautiful iron here, looking at me, I would not have been sharpened. I would have been just Still beautiful, my own eyes. Still whatever. And today I bear battle scars and everything else. But I'm sharpened. Now when you take a knife and you sharpen it, you put it under a magnifying glass, you'll see that it's got scars. And it's the scars that makes it sharp. I need her to sharpen me. Now when we sharpen each other in fellowship, if I Facebook her and she lives in Joburg and I live in Cape Town and I see my wife on Facebook, I WhatsApp her, I um, Skype call her, but we never spend more time than that. We're not going to sharpen one another. God's not going to sharpen you if your God is with Facebook, TV, reading beautiful clips that get sent around. That's not fellowship. Let's not fool ourselves. Never going to learn what Justine's house looks like whether she's neat and tidy in her house, whether she makes lacquer coffee, if all I know about her is, oh, she's a nice Facebook lady. <laughs> Spoke to somebody yesterday. We were in, at the wedding, and there was two people at the table. No, we don't go to church. We love God. God blesses me in my business and everything. So where do you go? For, no, we don't go to church. Why? Oh, we've been to churches, but it just didn't work for us. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just, you know, when we go into the church, this happens and that's not right and this is wrong. So I'd rather just, I listen to this oak, that oak, and that oak. Those three oaks. Hey, I'm so blessed when I listen to them. And I eventually decided, okay, enough's enough. Said, let me get at their throats. Come here, let's talk. Challenge them. Is this what God's saying to you? Is this what God's saying to you? 
Ooh, it's we best come to church. We'll see you guys. I promise we're coming to church. But people need to know the truth. They need to know that Jesus Christ died, died on the cross. Fellowship doesn't happen here. Aha, happened there. It happens here in the church. If you're not in church today, there's no fellowship with you. If Donnie's not here, and I blame the car for Donnie Roxin for some other reason this morning. He says, Donnie's not here. I'm not fellowshipping with Donnie this morning. I'm missing the opportunity. But you know what? One of the points that I said to, that, to the, those people that were with us was, hey guys, when you come to church, don't judge me on what I'm doing. I'm asking you, what did you bring to church? He says, what do you mean? He says, well, the Bible says when you come together, one has a psalm, one has a this, and one has everything. Everybody has the opportunity to bring something. What do you bring? Nobody told me that. But you've been listening to TV for how many years? You're not going to get the truth. I want to ask you one question that is also a stupid question, but maybe just something to make you think. So you die. It's an old question. You die. Is TV going to bury you? Is the TV going to come sit and mourn your death? Because there was no fellowship. This is where this happens. Okay. So just realize it's about fellowshipping. And how do we fellowship? We break bread, which is the next point. I'm out of number of points. It's the next point. Next number. Five. Okay. Breaking of bread is just bringing Jesus back into my fellowship. When people come to my house, one of the things that I try and do, before they go, guys, let's just break bread together. Why? Because our relationship exists because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. My relationship exists because Jesus says, don't forget what I did for you. This is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood that was shed, shed for you. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus when we come together. And then the last point that I want to talk about is prayer. When they were together, they gave themselves to prayer. The original translation actually used the word earnest prayer. Guys, it's about talking to Jesus. When we come together, we pray. I raised six points. That we continue, that we steadfast, submit to the teaching of the, elder, of, of the uh, apostles, that we fellowship, I missed one, fellowship, breaking of bread, and pray. I want to ask you, 